Heavenly Father, we're thankful uh, for the promise you've given us that a new heart you'll create. And for the promise of the Spirit who is sent to engraft in this, this to change us, Lord, dude, in every way. That's what we want. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're talking uh, about the fruit of the Spirit in the life for those of you who just come in. And, uh, and we were saying that when we think of the Holy Spirit, usually the Pentecostal people have a corner on that. You notice that? Uh, see, I'm wondering, now I've got to be careful when I say this, I don't think that we ought to have a cult of the Holy Spirit. I think the, the, the Pentecostals do. Because they tend to worship the Holy Spirit as a, as a broken off unity. Wouldn't you say so? I would say they, they may, some of them, talk about the Holy Spirit more than they talk about Jesus. Jesus is kind of a, he's a means to an end instead of an end to itself. And of course, uh, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit would come and who would it testify of? Of Jesus. And, uh, and this is why, I, now I don't understand. Of course, as Adventists, we're Trinitarians. You know what that means? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the way, let me alert you to the fact that the early founding fathers and mothers of our church were, were Arians. You know what that is? Uh, they believed they believed that Jesus was created. And they didn't, they didn't believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So a lot of people then uh, say, well, you know, whatever the early church fathers believed, we should believe. And the answer is no. Because the Lord was leading them. Can you see that? He was leading them. Remember, our, 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 our early uh, Adventists, were, uh, you know, were, uh, what did you say, Sunday-keeping pork eaters. <laughs> that was the founding fathers and mothers of our church, Right. But, but, but God uh, called them and he used them and, and, and he moved them uh, to where we are today. So I think that in the 21st century, let's don't go backward. Uh, in fact, I, I even say about scripture, and you may not agree with me, let's don't use anybody in the, in the scripture as our role model, except Jesus. It's not safe to do that because where there are champions... Uh, of God in the scripture that everyone had a flaw. And so don't say you want to be like David or you got a Bathsheba problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, even I want to be like Solomon. Well, then, you know, you, 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 you married too many times. So I don't know that there's anybody in the Bible that I want to be like. But I want to be like Jesus. And, and, and I was saying in the other class, that, uh, remember the people in the Old Testament, everything was signs and symbols to them. And so, and so, the, the Old Testament makes most sense if you'll, if you'll carry it back from Jesus. And so I was saying earlier that I think that, that in the 21st century, we should study Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John or read, before we go anywhere. It's the gospel according to Jesus that makes the rest of the Bible make sense. Because if you move off uh, without Jesus, you can go into crazy places and wonder how you get there. I, I want to say something else because we were talking about the Holy Spirit and, uh, and how when many people think of the Holy Spirit, they're thinking of miracles. And some of you have just come, uh, uh, weren't here when I said, most of the people, when they talk about the Spirit, speak about the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit. And in the first class, I brought out the fact that the gifts of the Spirit can be counterfeited or brought on the black market. They can be faked. But you can't fake the fruit of the Spirit because it's on the inside. In other words, we can't make the fruit of the Spirit happen only the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, can make that happen. And I don't know how it happens. It's a miracle. 
Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And so, and so remember the, uh, the uh, uh, verses is, is uh, Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. And I was telling that I think it's a good idea. I have it on my refrigerator. I have those, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Because we've got to be reminded. And, and, and you may not see it this way. To be like Jesus. Now we use those words all, all the time. We ought to be like Jesus. What are you talking about? If it isn't the fruit of the Spirit. A tree is known by its fruit. How in the world uh, can anybody say, I have Jesus in my life. Well, you know, uh, I, I just believe that. Or, you know, no, the devils believe. You know, I was in a, uh, a penitentiary one time and the guy said, I've been saved 23 times. Uh, or you could say, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm really into Jesus because I, uh, whatever it is. No, a tree is known by its fruits. We can, we can realize, we can, we, we can manifest with joy, not with pride, but with joy that the Holy Spirit is working in my life because I see what he's doing and it's quantified in love and joy and peace and kindness and meekness and all of that. What's wrong with that? By the way, let me say this, that never measure the blessings of God with a material yardstick. You know, some people say, I'm so thankful the Lord's blessing me so much, I just got a new job. Or I'm now making a million dollars a month. Huh. Now, now, the trouble with that is, and, and let me illustrate it, my father-in-law was watching the uh, TV one time, and he was watching one of these uh, Sunday preachers preach on the Ten Commandments. And uh, you know the Sunday preachers, when they preach on the Ten Commandments, always give you a 10% discount. Have you noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and it wasn't wrong, but uh, Dad uh, wrote the, the guy a letter, and he said, uh, you know, if you're going to preach on the Ten Commandments, uh, why don't you do the fourth? He wrote him a letter. And, uh, and the preacher was kind enough to write back. And, uh, and he gave what I call the boilerplate reasons. You know, those reasons they always give. But his last paragraph was, if God wanted me to keep the Sabbath, he wouldn't be blessing me the way he is. Never measure the blessing of God with a material yardstick. It's dangerous. Another thing, speaking of the Ten Commandments, we as Seventh-day Adventists have got to realize that there's more commandments than the fourth. <laughs> Think about it. And by the way, the evangelicals, and you know, you know the Sunday people, they're not into the fourth, but they're into six and seven. One is abortion, and the other is the homosexual. What do you hear in our church about abortion? Nothing, Right? Right or wrong, we don't we don't talk about that. We don't even say much about the homosexual thing, but we'll do the fourth commandment till the cows come home. And you hear where I'm coming from? There's ten, not just the fourth. And another commandment I think that we need to be thinking of, and that's number ten. What's that about? Thou shalt not covet. Are we into that? Yes. It's the credit card. Debt is sinking our culture. And we are slaves to the people that we owe money to. And so, and so what the culture does, it creates desire. It creates covetousness. i got to have that. And you see, back in the days before the credit card, you had to save money. Now if your neighbor gets a new car, you say, oh, man, I'm gonna, I, I'll get me one. You know, my sister, she lives someplace else, but she has 15 credit cards. And I don't know, I'm not telling you what to do, but, but you know, that I, I think every day I get about three uh, offers for a credit card. And, you know, they'll always send you the letter. Dear uh, smart man, uh, we studied your life history and we think you're one of our heroes. And, uh, and, and it would just make us so happy to give you a credit card and... Uh, is it, you know, to, to honor you for your... Uh, but what they don't tell you is if you don't pay, they blow your kneecaps off. <laughs> Isn't that right? They ruin you. They ruin you. They ruin you. It's not a compliment. 
It's not a compliment. It's slavery. And uh, and, I, and all I'm saying is that uh, uh, there's more than the fourth commandment. Let's preach the whole business. And by the way, God's will for our lives are not just the fourth commandment. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is his will. In fact, in a way, the Ten Commandments are for sinners. Now, you hear what I'm saying? Be careful with that. The Ten Commandments tell you what not to do. The Sermon on the Mount tells you what to do. Galatians 5.22 tells us what we're going to be. Philippians 4.8 tells us what to do. So let's just don't think that the commandments of God are in Exodus. The commandments of God are Matthew 5, Philippians 4, 8, and Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Are, will you go with me on that? Another thing that, uh, see what, this is what I said this morning. Don't be single issue Christians. Don't boil it down, make it that big. I've got to tell you this story, and you're going to hate me for this, but I, I told a piece of it in the morning and nobody did anything uh, but they, they may be planning uh, some terrorism in my room I go up there to open the door and it blows up <laughs> but uh, but now watch this one because this is going to sound real bad this is going to sound real bad shall I tell it? yes, yes uh, it was your fault then uh, a woman walked up to me one time she said Pastor Ophel I'm praying the Lord will give me victory over shepherd. <laughs> and I'm letting him down so bad. And I wanted to say, honey, don't pray about that. Pray about the way you treat your husband. Pray about the way, you hear where I'm coming from? Pray about the way you treat your kids. Pray about that. See, you see, Sugar's not our problem in our life, is it? Or is it the way we treat each other? You hear what I'm saying? See, I told him this morning before you came, I said, at one point, I felt that I was better than Jesus. Now, when you hear me say that, you know I'm out of my mind. I'm better than Jesus because I'm a vegetarian. And the minute I got that thought in my mind, I knew that I was nuts and that I had the health message in the wrong file. And that's critical to us, especially as conservatives, that, that we have stuff in the right file. Now, remember, I told you you're going to get mad at this. Another woman came to me and she said, Pastor Phil, I haven't had sugar in eight days. <laughs> now, if she hadn't had cocaine in eight days, I could see, you know, some, some rejoicing in that. <laughs> but sugar in eight days? What you talking about? And uh, <laughs> and uh, and by the way, now, now I'm not shooting at health healthful living. I'm just saying, let's get it right. Let's get it in because you see, some people say that that. In fact, a lady said to me once. She said, "Do you want to be a member of the 144,000?" Well, you can't say no to that. I mean, whichever you say, you've lost. Because it's, a, you know what I mean? If you say no, you've lost. If you say yes, you fell for her trap. And so, but you have to say yes is the lesser of the evils. <laughs> and so, and, and so she said, uh, I said yes, I had to. And she said, then here's the translation diet. Let me tell you, those who are translated might be serious about health, but that won't be the reason they were translated. We've got to get that right. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Uh, it, you know, in other words, it's how you treat each other. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God with all your heart. And your well, doesn't that include eating sugar? Listen, if sugar was a moral issue, it would be wrong in orange juice. Huh? Adultery is wrong wherever you find it. Isn't it? Adultery is wrong wherever you find it. 
And, and the only thing about sugar that would be wrong is when you refine it, you take, this, you take the vitamins out of it and you raise the price. But that's about all the moral damage that's done. Am I wrong on that? Let's get this right. Because as long as we squeeze this down and make it this big, hey, we're going to be doomed. Now, are we saying we shouldn't be healthy? Don't talk to me about health. We had a dentist in here this morning. And you know how old I am. I'm really old. And I've had only one cavity in my life. Not bad, huh? They're crooked, but they're all there. <laughs> I eat only two meals a day. Not bad, huh? That's because when you get this old, you can't take three. Anyway, anyway, what's the apostle say? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and, and have not... On the fruit of the Spirit, I'm wasting my time. And I think that, and, and, and we were talking about this earlier today, the hardest place in the world to be a Christian is at home. To be Christ-like at home is what it's about. We can do what we want outside. You come to GYC and just, you know, I heard a story. Can I talk to you this way? I heard a story about a, this, a minister was... You know, he, he was on his way to church or something, and his cell phone rang. It was one of his ministerial buddies. And, uh, and the ministerial buddy was on his way to church, but he didn't know he'd called his, his because it was on the, the quick dial. Like, and, and so what had happened was that, that, that his friend had the cell phone laying on the front seat of the car, and it hit the number, let's say five by mistake, and called his buddy. And he said... When he said hello, he could then hear what was happening in the car. He said, you wouldn't believe it. He said they were fighting, they were hollering at each other, they were, you know, but, but I know what happened. You know, that ministry was fighting, shut up, I'll slap your face. You would be, you know, carrying on like that, but when he gets to church, hello, happy Saturday. Thank you, Jesus. You see, this is the crazy thing. In other words, I was, the hardest place, I, 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 I'm, of the, I'm of the conviction uh, that the Christian life is at home. And the, one of the reasons why we're getting into problems in the church is because the home is going bad. In fact, in fact we, back in the old days, you know, the real old days, uh, we used to go to church to learn how to live. Now we're taking the way we live and take it to church. And it's not looking good. But I believe that, that uh, there's no temptation or trial taken us, but that he'll make a way of escape. And, and, and I've said this already today, that uh, you might come from a home where, God forbid, your dad was a drunkard and your mama worse. But you know that God used your folks to get you here. You know, I was on a in a shuttle bus one time and and I asked uh, somebody I didn't even know a young woman she looked like she's about 35 I said do you have anybody that loves you she said yeah my my boyfriend out in California and I said uh, no I mean in the family you have a mother she says I do but I hope she burns in hell and you know I've thought about this because and I preach a lot about this uh, because have you noticed that, that our generation, have you ever heard the word dysfunctional? You know, I'm dysfunctional. Oh, you too? <laughs> Why don't you join my support group? Isn't that what we hear all the time? Hey, we're all dysfunctional. Sin's dysfunction, isn't it? But listen to me now. This, that word in this generation, you know what it means? Anybody and everybody's to blame but me. And the ones that are being cursed these days are the parents. There's a text that says there's a generation uh, uh, that hates its father and despises its mother and says we've not done anything wrong. That's this one. And, and, and going back to this parents thing, because earlier I was talking, you know, you know, Jesus says, love your enemies. And we're not talking about Saddam Hussein. We're talking about your dad. 
And, and, and you know, because again, you read all kinds of magazines. Well, you know, our parents messed us up and everything going wrong. You know what? I believe this. And I thought, I pray for my parents and they're dead. I'll pray God forgive them. Be nice to them. But I'm not doing that for God's sake. I'm doing that for my head's sake. You hear where I'm coming from? Because, you know, I've said to people, you know, people really get angry. Man, but my daddy did this and my daddy did that. Or my... And I'm saying, you're asking Jesus to forgive you for your sins, aren't you? Yeah. Well, then what's wrong with asking Jesus to forgive your daddy? Do you want to be saved and your daddy to be lost? You, you, you see the mix-up on this? And, of course, you see, this is the generation that hates its father and despises its mother and says, there's nothing wrong with me. Ladies and gentlemen, this is bigger than we thought. You see, you can even come to GYC to get away from home. And this can be a smokescreen. Because when this is over, we have to go back to the real world. And that's the hardest place. To, <laughs> you're going to be all right? But this is why when we come to this place, in other words, we don't want a spiritual high. Because that wears off. We want to come here and we want to really look in our lives. Now, now this is not about a guilt trip. You know, they use that word, a guilt trip. But we've got to, we've got to understand what disease we have before we get well. And so, and so I feel, and, and I think I've said this earlier, a word we never hear is the word repent. Because this generation, you know, repentance means responsibility. And this generation says, I'm not responsible, Daddy is. And so what, he's got to repent, not me. And so I believe that those who are saved from every generation will have two characteristics in common. One is, uh, they, they were sorry for sin as they understood it. And they wanted with all their heart to do the will of God. I don't care when it was or where it was, those are the crowd that are going to be saved. And I think that this is the ongoing and active Christian life, is to be repentant every day. And to every day say, I delight to do your will. In fact, when the fruit of the Spirit uh, is, 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 is engrafted into our lives, it gets the law of God off our backs and gets it in our heart. And you know what you carry on your back? It gets to be sore after a while. And in fact, you can tell a person who's got the, the law on their back because they're always saying, I wonder why you can't do that. I wonder what's wrong with this. You know, have you heard that one before? That person's got the will of God on their backs. But when the will of God is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, then we delight to do His will. You know, you know a guy uh, called me up one day on the phone. He says, I think our church has too many doctrines. <laughs> I said, what do you know about the will of God for your life you wish you didn't? Is that a telephone call for me? You know what? I, I didn't bring the cord to recharge my telephone, and I'm just feeling cut off from the rest of the world. But anyway... <laughs> anyway... Uh, this, this fellow said that our church had too many doctrines. I say, what do you know about the will of God for your life? You wish you didn't. I said, I wish that, that we had 500 doctrines. Because I delight to do his will. And by the word, by the way, have you ever heard people say, uh, we shouldn't preach the doctrines, we, should, uh, we shouldn't preach the doctrines, we should preach the gospel. Have you heard that one? We shouldn't preach the doctrines, we should preach the gospel. And I'm thinking... What's, what you talking about? Because the word gospel means good news and the word doctrine means teaching. You can't even get the cross out of your mouth unless you teach it out. So when you hear people say that, go, duh, say, what, what you talking about? I don't know what you mean. Th these, these concepts are not adversarial. Uh, but you hear that all the time. Let's don't preach the doctrine, let's preach the gospel. Uh, the gospel is a doctrine. So, there, see, see, there's tricks set up. There's tricks set up because I was saying earlier, 
the devil's after our brain. If he gets our brains, he's got all of us. Another thing I wanted to say is this too. Is uh, Remember I said don't measure the blessing of God by a material yardstick. Another point is the devil is answering prayers. And this Jesus said would happen. Did you tell him we said hello? <laughs> tell him everybody here at JYC says hello. <laughs> anyway, Jesus said that the devil would answer prayer. Many would come in my name doing what? Remember, in his name, remember that means that everything wrong in, 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 in our circles that goes on is going to have the name Jesus painted on it. The devil never does this. Who's there? The devil. What you got? A lie. It's, all, it, it, it's always this. Who's there? Jesus. Many will come out in my name. And what do they then say they did? Cast out devils and did miracles. What are those? Answers to prayer. And what's Jesus say to them? Not me. Out of here. And so I'm only telling you that is because, is because the only way, and this has to do with, with uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the only way we can know for sure is by the Word of God. And this is why I say, before you pray, and I pray, and as we pray, and after we pray, we better go to the Bible and find out what to pray about. Because if we're praying about the wrong thing, have you noticed that everybody's praying these days and everybody's getting answers to prayer? You notice that? In, in fact, a word that I don't, now, now I'm going to exaggerate this pretty bad. A word that I don't like to hear is, I prayed about it. I didn't know what to do, so I prayed about it. Now, what's, now, hang on, don't go away. That, uh, that we used to be a person, a, a, a church of the word. Not anymore. It's prayer now. Prayer has now trumped the Bible. In other words, in other words, like one lady said to me, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what God told me. In fact, if, if you want to win an argument, just say, I prayed about it. And it's over. Am I right on that? Huh? And, and, and another thing that, now don't misunderstand me again, because it's gotten into our vocabulary. And, and, and we're not thinking of what it means. And we'll say, God told me. Have you heard that one? Uh, I said to God, and he said to me, and then I said to him, and then he said to me. No, you know, we don't carry it on that long. But God told me... It, and they'll come up with off-the-wall stuff. And, 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 and I say this, that God will never tell you and me something that he hadn't told everybody else. And so there's really, really nothing that can happen in our lives whose principles are not covered in this. And, 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 and I may be wrong too, because sometimes we do get hung up. And, and we may not know which way to go. Now, I heard a story about a, about a lady who was standing at, at, a, at a crossroad. You know, one road went this way and one road went that way. And she'd stand there with a stick. And, she, and somebody saw her. She'd throw her over her head. And somebody said, what you doing? She said, well, I throw the stick over my head. And, uh, and wherever it lands, I'll know the Lord wants me to go. And the person said, but I see you keep doing it. And she says, well, it's landing where I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> But I think we've got to be careful that we don't use prayer as an excuse uh, and, and we'll just pray till the God tells us what we wanted to hear. And let's look out for prayer. Now we should pray, in other words, go to the Word and then pray. Don't leave the Word out because thy Word is a what? Lamp unto my feet and a light unto my... Wherewithal shall a young man or woman cleanse their ways by what? Taking a hate according to the Word of God. So let's be careful that the, that prayer doesn't bump the Bible out of the thing. Can you see how that would happen? Uh, and so when somebody says to me, well, there's miracles, so what else is new? 
And, and I was saying earlier, and I may have said it here too, that, that I don't want the Holy Spirit in my life to do miracles. I don't think that's why. I think the biggest miracle of all is the changed heart. I really believe that. Because this other... This, now, think of the miracles Jesus did. Every miracle he did was temporary. The people all got sick and died again, didn't they? Do you ever think about that? Why was he doing miracles? So that they would, they would have faith in him. Because here he was, raised in Nazareth. They said, hey, hey we knew your daddy. And now he, he says, you're God. You know, you know, we forget how old he was. You know, when they draw pictures of him, you know, they make him look like he's about 51. Don't they? He was 33. And here's somebody 33 saying, I'm God. And they're thinking, come on now. And so the miracles of Jesus had one purpose. And in fact, he said it over and over. It's to glorify God. And if you and I are saying, I want the Holy Spirit so that I can do miracles, who gets the glory? Tell me. I do. And, we, and, and for many of us, the reason I want the Holy Spirit is so I can do miracles. I mean, that's the reason not to have it. Because I want to make my big shout. In fact, have you noticed that these, uh, these uh, assemblies of God and these uh, healers these days? Man, those guys are their own gods. Have you noticed that? Benny Hinn. We were talking about that this morning. These guys are charlatans. They are charlatans. And I mentioned earlier that... Uh, uh, the way they stay in business, I think, is with the placebo effect. You know what the placebo effect is? That somebody's going to get well anyway. And so, and so they pray for them. They were going to get well anyway. And so they take the credit and that way they go. In their jet planes and everything else. But all I'm saying is this. We're in the last day. And so therefore, therefore, let's realize that that, by the way, when Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about mansions in heaven. He wasn't. Because he said the kingdom of God is in you. In fact, I have some text, I think, written down on that. Or was that the next, the next time? Anyway, there's a text in Romans. I think I do that uh, tomorrow. The text in Romans says... That the kingdom of, 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 of uh, God is not in meat and drink, but in love and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's not talking about up there. He's talking about something that's happening in us. By the way, let me say something. Else. I don't understand what I'm about to say, but I know that there's something partly to it. I was uh, in a lecture uh, this summer, and this dear person, I think, I don't know what kind of a scientist he was, but he had drawn a picture of a brain on the screen. You know, PowerPoint is just so powerful these days. You know, when I watch the, the plenaries in there, I don't look at the screen. Because, you know, we're so used to looking at the television. And, the, the, you know, I was preaching one time at a camp meeting up here in Wisconsin, and they had the screens out on the side. And I said, look at me, this is live. <laughs> you know, I mean, this generation doesn't know whether we're live or on tape. And uh, in, fact, in fact, do that. Do that at the next plenary. Just, just say to myself, I'm going to watch the speaker and see what you get. It's better than the screen. There's more, I don't know how to say it. Live, it's better than the screen. And the screen is like... You know, like it's, by the way, you, you know, TV is an illusion. <clears throat> Did you know that? Uh, you know, I, I've made lots of uh, pictures on 3ABN. And uh, they'll, uh, and so right in the middle of it, you make a mistake and they'll say, now, okay, let's do that again now. Uh, Pastor O'Field, you uh, like that and start that up again. <laughs> and then when you see the picture, it looks just like this. But it's all put together. It's all cut and paste. And uh, so I like the live stuff. Anyway, so try that tonight. I don't know. If, I don't know if it'll work for you, but last night I really did that. I thought, 
There's the screen up there. I'm going to look at that preacher and see what I get. And I liked it a lot. It was really good. Was really good. But, but anyway, anyway, the kingdom of heaven is something the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And, and so this is critical to us because Jesus' miracles had one purpose, and that was to glorify the Father. That was the only reason. And the only reason I can think of for any miracle would be so that Jesus can be glorified. One day, uh, uh, I, I'm not into the, in my ministry, um, doing, you know, some of these things, but uh, a young uh, girl, she must have been 28. Uh, and, and, she, and of course, it was she and her husband. She came to me and she was crying. And she said, Pastor Ophel, I want a baby. And I've been to the doctor. And uh, we've done all the tests and everything. And they say, I can't have children. And she said, I'm just praying to God. And she says, I just want to have children. And I'm telling God, you've got to give me children. And she said, the doctor said, I don't even have all that it takes to have children. But I'm going to pray that God will give me your children. I want you to pray that I'll get children. And you know what I said to her? I, 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 I didn't say, oh, dear Jesus, no, 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 no. I didn't do for that, boy. I said, I think you ought to ask God for forgiveness for what you've been doing. Because what you've been doing is this. You've been telling God what to do. And see, that's another problem. Is that many of our prayers are telling God what to do. I want you to do this. You see, you see we do... The way we pray sometimes, we'll tell God what we want to have done, uh, how to do it, and when to be finished. And, and that's not right. Uh, you know, uh, I've heard these, and uh, faith is one of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, old Benny Hinn says, well, if you have, don't ask, ask God what his will is, just tell him what you want to have done. And if it doesn't work, you didn't have enough faith. I reject that. There's only one thing I want for my life, and I know for your, is to do the will of God, whatever that is. I don't always know what that is, but that's what I want. But you've got to have trouble. You're going to have trouble with that because the scripture says, my ways are not your ways. Sometimes I heard somebody say, when you get into a problem in your life, uh, figure out what to do and do just the opposite. And you'll probably be right. Because my ways are not your ways. And so she said, I want to have a baby and I want, I'm telling God I want this to do and I want you to pray I'll have a baby. I said to her, I think you ought to ask for forgiveness. I wasn't even talking about a baby anymore. I said, just go home and tell Jesus you're sorry for the way you treated him. And she kind of looked at me and she was crying. And that's all I had to say. And I just kind of forgot about it. Till the next year, she was at camp meeting, you know, I, and, and she came and she just put a baby in my arms and said, Love. She says, I went home that night and I asked Jesus to forgive me. And within three days, it was on its way. And so I think that this is the big thing in our lives. Is, is, is to, see, I think, that, I think that the purpose of prayer is to discover the will of God. Uh, and then prayer is what we're doing to, to, to receive the grace and the strength to do it. And, and, and let's get that right. Yes, ma'am. I have a question. So how do you explain coming boldly to the throne? Coming boldly to the throne for what? The Bible says come boldly to the throne. Yeah. So, and See, it says he'll give us the desires of our heart. So, yeah. how do you correlate those two? Yeah. But now, when we have... <laughs> she's talking plain, isn't she? Now you speak plainly. Uh, is that uh, is that uh, Jesus went boldly before the throne, right? When he prayed to do what? To ask God for His will. Yeah, for His will. See, in other words, in other words, what Jesus is saying is, is that don't be afraid to pray uh, to the heavenly Father like I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that not our will, but His be done. I've always taken it to mean that put God's word to the test. I've told you I give you the desires of your heart if you're in line with my will. So come both to the throne and let me know my word that I've given to you. Mm-hmm. Well, but you just said uh, 
as long as it's your will. Right. I, I can say, God, this is what I desire, whatever is in your will. But I'm still coming boldly and saying, God, this is what I desire, whatever your will is, do it. But I don't think it's a problem for us to let God know, this is what I desire. If it's not in your will, it's fine. But to let him know what our desire is, I don't see the problem in letting him know. Well, now, now where would we, find, where would we uh, discover that desire? Where, where would we get that? Out of our heads? Or where would you get that? Well, we all have different personalities. I might like something that someone else does not like, but it may be something that I really enjoy. So I can go to God, who is my father, and say, Father, if it is in your will, give this to me. But a desire of my heart is to have this, or to be this, or to do this. I don't think it's a sin to go to him honestly if he is our father. Uh, now, now, I don't think that we have any problem, except I, I was trying to say that we should use the word of God to create that base mm -hmm. for our desire. And, and, and again, remember that the, the culture sets a series of values that we as God's children uh, don't accept. Mm -hmm. uh, because, because we were saying earlier, the fruit of the Spirit only comes from suffering. Mm -hmm. and, and in fact, you see, Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. Mm -hmm. So we could go to the Lord and say, the desire of my heart is that I have no persecution. <laughs> okay, I get you. And so many times... Our prayers huh, are, are, are out of two sides of our mouth. It's like the, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. So you can pray, oh Lord, give me patience. And in the next five minutes, and Lord, help everything to go good for me. Well, then the, the, one of those prayers just wiped the other one out. Uh, isn't that true? You with me, honey, on that? And, and, and so we also said earlier, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. But Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, so what's that? Uh, that true love doesn't show up until you're loving people who hate you. And so I think that, that, that as we grow in grace and as we get into His Word, it changes our whole perspective. So the things that were important to us suddenly are not important anymore. Now let me tell you, oh, I'll just tell you this is a light story, is that... Uh, and this happened a number of years ago. Have you ever heard of adhesive capsulitis, frozen shoulder? You, you've never heard of that, probably. But uh, I had, uh, I think I had been trimming trees. And you know, the, the nippers are about that long. And of course, our arms are about that long. And so I had been leaning over the edge of a roof, cutting branches. And I think that's what it was. Anyway, I was at a camp meeting one day. And I had noticed that I... Uh, that I couldn't, you know, put on my belt anymore. And I couldn't put my wallet in. Now, I couldn't get my wallet out of my, my trousers, which, you know, that's good because you save a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, so, so I was telling the, uh, the congregation my problems, and, you know, just in passing. And after the meeting, a doctor said, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, come here. He said, put your arms out like that. And he said, now lift this one. I couldn't. And I discovered then that, that, that not only could I not lift it, but I had lost all range of motion except here right in the front. And so I had to go to a uh, physical therapist, you know, and boy, have you ever been to one physical therapist? They call it, their PT, they call it pain and torture. Because <laughs> it really, it really hurts because uh, they, they break it down. Anyway, I got out of that but but watch this next one. I don't know when it was. Uh, a few years later, I started getting it in the other shoulder. Now, this time, I was up on it, and I knew that if you stop moving it, it'd lock up on you. And, it, and, it, and apparently, up there at the ball joint there, it kind of grows down and grabs. And so I knew if I kept it moving. But hurt? I want to tell you it hurt. In fact... In fact, I looked it up on the Google. You know, Google knows everything. And, uh, and, and it talked about, you know, they don't know what causes it. It can last years and all. I thought, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. And it would wake me up in the middle of the night just painin' like crazy. Now watch this. Here we go. I don't know if you're like me, but there I was hurting really bad. And I thought to myself, now I could ask the Lord to heal me. But then what would that do to the other people? You know, there's a girl here in a wheelchair. 
And so the God's supposed to heal me and leave her like that. I mean, he's supposed to heal me and leave this. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying, who am I to say, God, you take away my pain and leave all these other people messed up. And I thought, I'm not going to do that because I'm not better than they are. Now stay with me on this. So I prayed. Instead of praying to get well, I, I prayed that God would give me compassion from that pain. Remember what he said? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Compassion then would be one of those, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount and the fruit of the Spirit. So I prayed, God, if I'm going to have to carry this pain, then give me compassion out of that. And Lord, if I'm going to have to give me this, carry this pain, then please, you said there's no trial taken you, but you'll give me the, the, the strength to, to bear it. And then I prayed at the end, you know, it'd be nice if we'd get rid of that, you know, but that was just, that was just at the very end, you know what I mean? And, and I don't know how long it took, it, it went away one day, but, but I'm, I'm having a little thing even now, uh, and uh, I take a special kind of a medicine for it, and, uh, and, and I got on my knees uh, a month or two ago crying, and I thanked God for whatever I have. And I prayed that he'd give me compassion. In other words, listen to me, that you and I don't know what compassion is until we suffer ourselves. And so this is why I think if we will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, our whole perspectives change. And, and my mama used to say, I complained I had no shoes until I saw the man that had no feet. And so I guess I feel that way it is that Jesus suffered. And so I'm so he suffered so I won't have to. Now, I'm not talking about the cross, but he did say, take up your cross and follow me. He says, you think you're better than me? And so many of us, I think, try to use the life of Jesus and all he suffered as an excuse to we don't. Well, you know, I accepted Jesus and I'm a millionaire. Well, now, you know, come on now. Maybe you're a millionaire, but let's don't use Jesus to get there. You hear where I'm coming from? In other words, we've got to change our orientation. We've got to change our values. And I think when we do that, you know, I was talking with a guy one time. and He, he said he was coming back from Jacksonville. He had a flat tire. And he said most of the time when he'd have a flat tire or something, he'd get out of the car cussing and carrying on. He said, but once you start seeking the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, you get out of the car and you say, so what? It's flat. I don't care. Because, 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 because when we're seeking first the kingdom of heaven, then we understand and only then we understand the text that says all things work together for good. And that means in good times we... We thank God, and in bad times, we thank Him too. Nothing can bump us out. And so I'm praying for compassion. I, now when I see somebody in a wheelchair, I can go over and put my hand on there, like I did with her last night. I said, honey, you better not get too attached to this wheelchair, because they're not allowed in heaven. You know. And you know, you know, these people that suffer. Oh, you know, I hope Jesus gives them a front row seat in heaven. And I think we ought to be sensitive to the suffering of others. You know, you see somebody. Walk. Did you see those people? Were they part of our group with the with the guide dogs? Are they part of our group? I saw them in here last night. Two blind people. When I say that, I think, Oh God, how long? How long will this miss? I, I, there's a fellow uh, there in uh, Florida where I live. The guy's got what is it? Multiple sclerosis. He can't feel anything but his head. And there he is praising Jesus. And all. I think, oh God, how long? How long does this go on? And I think we need that. I mean, you know, you can be young and say, I just can't wait to get my PhD and become a trillionaire. <laughs> but there's better things than that. I'm going to repeat this because some of you people are new. I told him this morning when we started out that uh, there was this fella that wanted to be rich. Now, this is a parable. 
He wanted to be rich. Uh, William, you'll remember this parable. In fact, why don't you get up and tell it? No, I'm just teasing you. This, uh, he wanted to be really rich, and he, uh, he was successful. He became really rich. In fact, he became so rich, he decided that he was going to take it with him. Have you heard the word, take it with him? And so he got it all into gold, and he put it in a box for when the Lord would call him home. This is a parable. And so one night the Lord called him home, and there he was at the pearly gates with his box. And who's at the pearly gates waiting to welcome the people? St. Peter. You know the story, how that goes. St. Peter was there, and St. Peter said, welcome. And then he looked at him and said, I'm sorry, brother, but you, 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 gotta, you can't bring anything with you. You've got to come as you are. The guy said, what are you talking about? And Peter said, you got to come just as you are. The fellow said, wait a minute. I've worked all you. Come on, you got to help me out. See if they can make a special exception for me. And St. Peter said, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And so he went inside the gates and the big angel who signed you in was in there. And the big angel... <laughs> The big angel said, what's the trouble? And Peter said, there's a fellow out at the gates, got some stuff he wants to bring in. And the angel said, what's he got? Peter said, pavement. <laughs> you didn't get that, did you? I'm just, I'm teasing you. What are the streets made of in heaven? Gold. How much is gold worth in heaven? Nothing. And the point is, and, and, and this is what... This is what the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the kingdom of God, is that the things that are valuable to us here, are, are, are val- how, how much are they worth in heaven? Zero. And, how, and the things that are worth something in heaven, how much do they tend to be worth to us here? Nothing. And so as sons and daughters of God, we've got to get that flipped. So that our perspectives, so that the desires of our heart are the desires of him. So that we go boldly before the throne, not because of, of what we dreamed of, but because we know his will. Uh, we're there in his name because we know what his life was like. We know what was important to him. And he went to the cross, despising the shame. And that's got to be our spirit. Uh, Though he slay me, what's the rest of that one? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I never saw this picture very much, but do any of you remember when they had that series on television called Batman and Robin? I don't know, I may have, one time I think, but this is just a story I heard, that Batman and Robin were in a real bad situation one time. And, uh, and Robin said, Batman, we could be killed. And Batman said, or worse. What does Jesus say? Don't be afraid of him that can kill the body. And after that, he can't do any more to you. But you see, in this society in which we live, the most important thing is what I call the flesh and its support group. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, don't, or Matthew 6, don't worry about your food, your clothes, what you're going to eat. Because God provides that for the rabbits. And you're, and you're worth more than birds. But seek you first the what? Kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not the fleshness support groups. It's what I am. It's like the theme here. It's being. And so the aim of our lives is to be full of the Holy Spirit. And we don't mean jumping up and down. And, and doing jibber-jabber. Uh, we mean to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life that will manifest itself anytime, place, but especially in bad time. In fact, that's what... You know, now, I, I may be off the wall when I say this, but I don't think the universe knew what God was like till sin came. Think about that. Did they know He was forgiving? Did they know He was merciful? Uh, they didn't. In other words, it, it was the sin that brought out the beauty of our Heavenly Father. 
He was always that way. He didn't become that way because he was always that way. And so I think that in our Christian life, that, 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 that as the fruit of the Spirit is engrafted there in a way that we don't understand. It's a miracle. You know, it's like life. When it says he formed man out of the dust of the earth, anybody can do that. That's a sculpture. But then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and it became a living soul. That's, that's inexplicable. And I think that in the Christian life, the things, you know, if the Christian life is to say, well, you know, us Christians, we wear yellow ties. So what's the solution to that? Get yourself one. Isn't that right? If, if that's what it's like, get yourself one. But, but, but if the, the Christ in me, the hope of glory, if that's the fruit of the Spirit, you can't buy it. It's got to be something that Jesus does for you. You know, speaking of tithe, uh, reminds me of uh, something else. By the way, I wrote a book, and it's over in the book and Bible house. It's this. Now, I didn't put my picture on it. The Pacific Press did. My wife was really mad. She thought this was arrogant and proud, and I didn't do. But the, and I didn't name it "Lord Save My Church." I didn't name it that. Pacific Press named it that. "Lord Save My Church," uh, tackling the tough issues, and uh, I call it the ninety-five thesis because there's ninety-five points in it. See? And uh, and I wrote three books. Did you ever hear the book I wrote called "Lord Keep Your Mansions, Just Save My Children"? Uh, you've heard of that one before. Our youngest son was a dope addict. And uh, then I wrote a book called Lord Save Our, My F- Our Families Before It's Too Late. That's why they put that name on it, too. And, and you see, this brings me back, you know, it makes almost chokes me up. Uh, because, you know, when I gave it this name, Lord, keep your mansions, just save my children. Some people said, that's irreverent. No, I said, that's the way we men talk. Because what that says is, God, the most important thing for me is my boy. And, you know, and, and I think that that's the whole point of seeking first the kingdom. God, I don't care about the rest. Whatever it is, it is. But for me, I want the kingdom of God in my heart. I want that no matter what. And I thought to myself, you know, now this sounds crazy, but, but our goal isn't to go to heaven. It's to be like Jesus. He gives us to heaven. That's his thing. My desire is to be like him, that he'd write his will in my heart. That's what I want. Live or die, that's what I want. And then, then he says, blessed are, you know, he that is faithful in that which is least, and I go to prepare a place for you and all that. Isn't that nice of him? Um, you know we're all going to be alive when Jesus comes. Did you know that? Because the dead are the first ones that come alive. Yeah. It, it, you know, in fact, you know, when we die, we don't know we're dead. You know that, don't you? You know, no one's laying in the tomb saying, I'm so tired of being dead. <laughs> it, 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 when you're dead, you don't have nightmares. Or, I mean, you know, sometimes my dreams are so, I have dreams that are so loud, I can't tell whether I'm awake or asleep. They're in technicolor and stereo. And, uh, and when you're, when you're, uh, when you're, when you're dead, you don't have nightmares or dreams or have to get up and go to the bathroom or anything like that. <laughs> you're just, uh, one minute. In other words, it's just, it's a continuation, isn't it? It just goes, it just goes. And I look forward to that day. To wipe away all tears. That, that, the girl in the wheelchair. Man, it's over. It's over. And I think it's time. Uh, you all weren't here, but William is my stand-in. If I drop dead, he can tell you what I meant to say next. Uh, William, I forgot what I was going to say. Did you remember that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was telling him earlier that I did a, a, a questionnaire once about how people felt about the coming of Jesus. And I said, how do you, uh, do you want Jesus to come? Everybody said, yes. I said, if you could fix a date for his coming, when would it be? Down the line. And uh, I asked the young people down in South America, do you want Jesus to come before you get married or after? 
I want him to come so much after I get married. (laughs) You know what the point is to that? That's serious. Because that means that we figure if you're going to have fun, you're going to have to have it here because heaven ain't going to be fun. And that, isn't that what it means? That's what, you know, one man said, now you'll notice my sanitized word. One man said to me after church one time, if we don't snuggle with our wives in heaven, I don't want to go. See, that shows you our value system. I want to tell you, I don't know what heaven's like. But it does say, eyes not seen nor ear heard. You can't even imagine what I've prepared for you. Now, maybe we don't snuggle with our wives and our husbands in heaven. But I want to tell you, you're not going to feel like you're missing anything. <laughs> you, know, you, might, you, know, you might miss some things like tears, sorrow. You know, our, our friend, he's bad off. Our logistics man, you know, he's bad off. He's bad off. But there won't be any more of that. And I look forward to that day. Don't you look forward to that day? So don't just, don't just, see, we got to be praying from the same page. I mean, if, if I'm praying the Lord will come quickly and you're praying that he won't come till you're married, then, we, then we're not working together as a team. Uh, you hear where I'm coming from? Yeah. Let's get it together. Huh? We want... We want the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And, and, and that's... Uh, let me see what I was supposed to do next. Let me just see what the notes say here. Gentleness. Uh, uh, let me see where this other one is. Yeah, I did that. See, first the kingdom of heaven. Oh, yeah. You know, here's a... You know, this word gentleness. Uh, you know, some of these people are... Uh, or anything but gentle. You've heard about people who are like a bull in a china shop, man. You know, they'll, you know, they'll just say, I tell it like it is. You know, that's like a blank check to tell you off. Isn't that what that means? I tell it like it is. And, and that's not the spirit of Jesus. Jesus didn't tell it like it was. Now, he told the truth, but he told it kindly. In other words, in other words, when when that woman uh, came in adultery, now now did Jesus uh, condone adultery by what he said to her? You say, go, honey, don't worry about that. Just do. He said, don't. He said, honey, don't do that anymore. And so we've got to have the same attitude, and that's hard on us. I didn't tell you all that when I was in the airport. William knows this one too. Uh, he's my secretary. Uh, I was in the airport just yesterday, and there was a guy in there. You should have seen he was a, a surfboard guy. You know what they look like? The hair standing on end and everything. They used gel to make the hair stand straight up, man. His hair was all over his head like this, just like a spiked hair. And it hadn't shaved in a few days. He had studs in his ears, and his jeans were those real expensive kind with the knees cut out. I went to a thrift store just last week and bought three pairs of jeans and none of them cost more than $4 and they all didn't have holes in them. But, but you go to you know, a good store and you get it with the bottom frayed out and the holes all over the place and it's $75. And, and a person that pays $75 for that has got to be an idiot. Excuse my French. But, but, but anyway, there he was, hair sticking up, unshaven, old knees, and I looked over at him when I first saw him. I thought, oh, brother. And uh, I, don't know wh- I don't know what it was, and I- I'd like to think it-, it was a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, but I thought I'm going to talk with that boy. And I'm just going to treat him like a human being. I'm just not going to pay any attention. And I said something to him, and you know, he was human. His eyes, he had blue eyes like mine, but they were young blue eyes, and they sparkled. And we began to talk. Oh, listen, it was so nice. It was so nice. And we talked about the life work and this and that. And I, and I did a text. Now, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the Pope's the Antichrist. I didn't, it wasn't that. I was. But, you know, you can witness for your faith. Uh, witnessing for our faith is building faith. In other words, let's, let's, is this, is the thing over by now? How much time we have? Is it over? Shall I finish that story? Okay. Um, 
Anyway, I talked. Witnessing, witnessing to people is, is taking them where they're at and moving them just a little bit forward. We don't have to pop the question. You know, fellas, when you take a girl out for a date, you don't pop the question on the first night. And so when we witness to people about Jesus, we just find them where they're at and walk them along. And so, and so the fruit of the Spirit is more than meets the eye. We've got to share Jesus, not in theory, you know, say, well, you know, I read the other day in a book. No, tell them what Jesus is doing for you and for me. Isn't that all right? Thanks, and we'll see you tomorrow. This media was produced by Audioverse and Hope Media Ministry for GYC generation of youth for christ if you would like to listen to more great media like this presentation or if you would like to learn more about gyc please visit www.gycweb.org you can also find great witnessing media at audioverse.org and at hopevideo.com